everybody. I'd like to introduce you to my wife, Mama, a.k.a. Miss Allie. Oh, this is where I say hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm Mama. I go by Mama. You can call me Mama. <laughs> so it's our first time on. But um, my first episode, I had Aaron, really good friend of mine, interview me. And his whole purpose was more or less to get me a little more comfortable with doing this because this is something new to me. But come on now. Second episode, we have my other half. So you know she's going to ask hard-hitting questions. And even at that, we have a topic um, that I think everyone is really curious about anyhow. Juneteenth, Jubilee Day. Uh, what it means, you know, my take on it. And she's literally going to like pepper me with the question. So here we go. So I've been in conversation with you about what this podcast is, even down to all the deliberations about the name and Community One and what it means to you. And so tell us, what is Juneteenth to you and how, what is the relationship for you between Juneteenth and how you show up in Community One? The relationship. I've been thinking about this a lot lately from the standpoint of it's, I mean, it, to start off, it was really funny because I was told that it became a holiday from the most unlikely of sources. Mm-hmm. Um, but even at that, it was really pretty cool, but I still didn't have a huge grasp on what that meant or a better way to put it is, I still have struggled with the fact whether or not it was a good thing, you know, to sit up there and to celebrate the end of slavery, you know, as we know it. I just don't know how to celebrate that or what that looks like, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so like that endless struggle of, okay, so where am I now? Where I am today is really simple. I run businesses, I'm part of a wonderful community. And for me, I think about, okay, so my parents and then their parents and then their parents' parents before them, where we have been um, systematically through all of this and what hurdles we have um, leaped over, you know, um, the things that we've overcome to be to where we are today. And then what does that mean? And for me, it means less of a separation and um, more of a united community, mm-hmm. you know. And so what, how do you bring people, knowing that you're struggling so much with what it is, how to celebrate it, what it means to you, how do you bring people who don't even have that lineage that you described and that type of understanding and have a much more abstract understanding of what this could mean to a person into that celebration or understanding of the holiday? That's a good question. I don't know if I have the correct answer for it, but for me and learning this year about Juneteenth, I know going into it next year and the celebration, um, like for the celebration that we went to on Saturday, 
it was amazing. I mean, it was like this whole breath of fresh air, which is really funny because like culturally speaking, you know, I had the ladies that were back in their booths and they were like just talking about how their hair and the sun and the heat, dude, it took me home. I was just like on cloud nine with just the conversations happening. Um, had not realized that there was as many black people in the valley as there is um, until the celebration which was really cool for me. So I got to meet a lot of people I knew, so many more that I didn't and um, just make new relationships that way. But my struggle also for the day itself was the alienation um, of everyone else, you know, because everybody's like really like tentative about, okay, should I be there? Should I not? Um, should I say anything? Should I be standing here or not? My black belts um, are literally my closest confidants when it has come to the gym as it is, you know, they're my right hand. And, you know, they're unsure of their place in the celebration, should they be there, you know? And so, and obviously they're white if we're actually bringing this up. So I need to get that out there real quick. <laughs> but um, the thing I took away from it and the, what I want to bring to it next year is the understanding that yes, um, I have a black owned business from the standpoint, um, I'm the one that has the responsibility the buck stops here, meaning any kind of failures, it's on me. <laughs> but I don't run this myself, um, and the people that run it with me um, should be accurately portrayed as well. <laughs> so whereas this last one, this first one that I've gone to and I was a part of, I learned that my business is my business, you know, and in saying that, what I'm saying is I have a... a Native American, Mexican mix, young lady that runs my health and safety um, for me. And then, oh, there's my phone. And then I have um, a wonderful couple that help me with the gym and they should be portrayed as well. It's not about black man this or black woman this. It's about this is what the community looks like. This is what the pulse is today you know and I really want to show that we're working together it's not like it's not like I had to fight them to get here they helped me you know they were alongside me as I rose and got to the point to where I am mm -hmm. and I trust that they're going to stay with me as I continue to grow mm -hmm. um so just for context, because not everybody's probably going to know what the event was and what the celebration was, uh, why don't you share a little bit about kind of what the forum was so that people understand what you're talking about? Okay, so Lance um, and his crew put this event on uh, outstanding um, way to showcase black businesses. And it's more of a celebration of, Hey, we're here. And, you know, like I said, in the beginning, I didn't know there was as many black people in the Valley, which was so cool to see. And then to turn around and find out, wait a minute, a black man owns this and a black woman is doing this. It was really empowering for me. And then also I think people get really standoffish when you say, well, we all work together. But to have some of my kids that are um, of color to see other people of color, people that look like them mm -hmm. in these positions that 
they're dreaming about or may not have thought they could do, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on what it is that their parents are doing. Uh, It's like a huge deal um, for confidence wise to see these people that are successful, Mm -hmm. that are working their butts off. Because through the success, you also see they were working. It wasn't like they were standing around going, hey, how are you doing? These people were working. The food was outstanding. The drinks were outstanding. The artwork was like out of this world, you know, and it, that's the whole point of it. It's just a celebration. And hopefully Lance's big thing was to bring everyone together. And I know he wanted awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like he did a really good job of that. We're going to take a walk down memory lane real quick because you've shared with me a little bit about uh, your upbringing and uh, I think it's a good opportunity for the community to hear about the impact it had on you when you got to see um, Black people in business at a young age and your discovery of that. So why don't you share a little bit about that um, with your community? Uh, It's... So growing up, I've done, I feel like I've lived so many lives because of the different things that I've done in my life so far. Um, As a kid, seeing people work, my dad has worked and continues to work. um, And that's all I ever saw him do. And I love him for it. And he's like literally the number one greatest man that I've ever met in my life. Mm I'd never seen a man of color in a suit. So we were uh, on a trip to Atlanta, a friend of mine, when I was a little bit older, and I was literally riding with him because he was doing a run because um, he worked for a medical company. So he would go to different stops all the way through to uh, Nashville. That's what it was actually. And we got there early morning we got something to eat and I literally saw this um, brother that was like in this full suit um, with briefcase you know just looking straight G I mean he was just whoo and it like clicked something in my head and I'm like I want to do that I don't want to sit up there and just make money I want to look like that I want to like his chest was out you know and then he wasn't the only one I turn around there's like multiple men and women that were just dressed to the hilt and I was like I want to be like that you know um and it was really cool because once I got to do those kind of things I didn't want it anymore there was a lot more work to it so you walk around in sweats and flip-flops now (laughs) (laughs) Unless I'm going to an event, I like my feet to be clear. The life of a gym owner. <laughs> if I'm dealing with like um, Chamber or the Rotary or one of the other um, wonderful organizations that we have here in the Valley, don't get it twisted. I love to get dressed up. But for the most part, the freedom that I have for being in the gym and just be like just low key Mm -hmm. and I get to work with uh, my students uh, my clientele and just to make them the best version of themselves which in effect allows me to grow as well Mm -hmm. so yeah so how has that evolution of uh, understanding kind of the difference of the material dressing a certain way that type of thing transformed your training of your students we're totally off of juneteenth right now 
<laughs> We're going down be memory what lane, it is, right? So we got to get back there too. So I think like um, I don't know what I've learned through the years. You can work so much, but if your wants um, consume you, mm-hmm. it leaves little room for growth. So, and I don't know where the switch was that I stopped wanting everything under the sun. Probably because it just finally hit me at one point. Once I got what I wanted, I wanted more, you know? So then you change what it is that you want. And when I switched from being someone who was focused on material possessions to increasing my knowledge, increasing my effect, it literally started guiding me to a completely different place. Um, I am from a family that struggled uh, and some of my family still continue to struggle. So the idea of having things meant that I was successful. I think like we had talked about it for years, how I wanted a BMW because that was my idea of success. Because And then it literally goes back to Nashville, seeing those brothers and sisters that were driving, those were the vehicles they were driving. And I don't think I've ever even put that together until this moment. Mm-hmm. So that was my idea of success. Now you watch my black butt cruising around in my little white mini and I'm happy as a clam. It's like completely different, but that's my, that's my love, you know? And it's not the fact that um, it's any car to distinguish me in a certain way. It's just, I just enjoy driving a car. It's like driving a freaking go-kart that's covered in it. <laughs> Because I can't ride a motorcycle because you won't let me. So there's that. (laughs) But yeah, so I mean, um, changing my focus, which, you know, affected my intent, Mm -hmm. uh, which I feel like has made me a better community member. Mm -hmm. And and I am a black man. I run a business. Um, I'm a community member. And ironically enough, Affecting my community is way more important to me than being a black man in a business mm-hmm. because I have, I mean, we have our youngest, they're babies still. And one of them wants to be a police officer in order for him to be a police officer in our eyes, we got to do as much work as we can to change what that definition looks like of an officer, mm-hmm. you know? It was funny because we were at Juneteenth and one of the people that I felt like was really, it was really weird to see there were the police. Mm-hmm. Um, we had CPD, we had MPD, we had the Sheriff's Department. Uh, I mean, we had like some great people there um, just representing the community that way. And they're not really the most popular people around here, mm-hmm. you know, or anywhere for that matter. Um but it was really cool because my son loves him. You know, he's got friends on the, um, actually on most of the police forces around here. Cause you know, he's like me, he loves to speak to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really cool because like, for me, it's easier to deal with people when I know who they are. And the officers that were there for me to tell you guys about it is their officers. But for me, it was like Josh, that was there, um, Scott, you know, like they're just people I met and I knew. So it changed even my perception of who they are. I actually like Josh and Scott. So, mm-hmm. you know, that makes it a lot cooler. And then I got to meet a couple of other guys as well, mm-hmm. but it's community and, you know, mm-hmm. it's everyone there being represented, which I loved. Um, 
the most li- unlikely of people coming together. I think that's the whole point, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I don't know if that's what the intent was fully, but mm-hmm. yeah, they bring it back to Juneteenth, anyways. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for bringing it back. Um, so you, I think a little bit around what you just uh, talked about in terms of having the police uh, such so many jurisdictions represented there was unexpected. What else was unexpected? about the event what surprised you um what surprised me outside of the black people uh i mean because there's a lot of us out there and i love that um i don't know i think like i think it's the the reality that there is a lot of uncertainty right now you know like what's acceptable versus what's not you know um so i guess what surprised me the most was the willingness for people to actually just engage with one another so it it wasn't i was really scared that it was going to be you know black people dealing with black people and white people go away Mm-hmm. You know, so anyone of color accepted, anyone not, you got to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I was really nervous about. Mm-hmm. And only because I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. But what I love and the unexpected aspect of it was literally the openness, mm-hmm. you know, just the amount of love from um, all the races that were there, you mm-hmm. know, and how open everyone was to talking with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids that were everywhere, which is insane. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. I met a Jamaican dude. I had to help him um, take his um, cart down. Mm-hmm. Jamaicans are hard to understand, but it was so cool. And his daughter came up and she had to translate some of it. That was like a little side note, but yeah. it, that was kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> you. <laughs> um, you've pretty publicly objected to uh black lives matter protests uh things of that nature what made this event different for you oh you just went to the good so i don't have an issue with protests whatsoever i have an issue with the protest here now now and the reason why i say here and now is because one this is my community and two the way um Recently, protests were going on up to that point that we had it here um, was that they were getting hijacked. So the intent, as sound and as wonderful as it was, literally got hijacked with violence and people trying to take it a different way. So, yeah, I 100% hated the idea of protest. Also, I'm not in danger from the standpoint of what some of the protesters were talking about. I have friends all over the place in this valley and I feel like, and I'm not saying that's the same way even in Portland or down in California, but I'm saying right here for us in this community, if I'm having an issue, there's another way to do it. You know, um, it's funny cause I think of Brenda, you know, she's also Kumbaya with La Clinica and she's like, I model a lot of, you know, think before I speak um, behaviors from her and I always think um, how she would handle it and I always get that sense of if we're going to have an um, a gathering it should be one that 
we have an intent behind it. So what is my intent going to be with this um, gathering? I want to change hearts and minds. I want to reach out to people, you know, like I want to make change. Okay, so great. We want to make change. Wonderful. That's so nebulous. It's scary, you know. So what does that mean? Want to make a change? How, you know, yelling at the top of your lungs is not making a change. You know, we have voices and we have the ability to get them heard. We have to start networking because I feel like networking and getting the police chiefs or getting a face-to-face with honestly not even the chiefs but with the officers that are literally protecting our streets to have those one-on-one conversations so they can hear where we are and we can hear where they are um, is more effective if we're going to do a protest versus or um, a gathering what is it um, not a protest but uh, I forgot what it is they did one in Ashland that was really amazing I didn't get to make it out there for it but everyone talked about how um, a lot of the leadership of the valley made an appearance out there so that people felt like they were being heard and I think that's mm-hmm. the point you know mm-hmm. if I just want to be heard there are ways to do it that I feel like are more effective mm-hmm. um, and it was really ironic because I actually went on the news um, and said how vehemently I, I um, disagreed with the protest and why. And then what happened um, a few hours later at the protest? Someone's waving a gun around, you know, at the protesters. And these are the things that scare me to death because the protesters out there are my kids. You know, they're the youth in this valley that I have been charged with the responsibility of taking care of, as I see it. And I know I take way more ownership than I should sometimes but that's my fear mm-hmm. you know and then when you start going at um, people of color that are in cars and saying why aren't you out here protesting with us I think you forget we still have to make a living too you know you don't get to just stop working and stop living to affect change you have to find ways and then you also have to allow forgiveness for those who still have to feed their families you know <clears throat> but with, I, you know, like just to tie it back into Juneteenth, I felt like it was, it was a better way to be seen, to be heard, to bring the community together. Not, I mean, like, I think that's the other part of the protest that really bugged me is the idea of even having a protest right now automatically splits people up, mm-hmm. you know. And then I even had a fear. We both had a fear with the protests from both sides. You were more worried about the police and me getting caught up in it just because of a perception of something that was um, misrepresented um, about the biz- our businesses being um, destroyed, you know, like a lot of things that happened in Portland. And, you know, just to put it really clear, I watched a couple of interviews and one of the protests that I saw, and I don't remember exactly where it was, but they said, your places are insured. You know, so you can get your money back out of them, you know, and so, you know, we need to run the course of this. And I completely disagree with that because I've worked my ass off for what it is that I have. You've sacrificed for us to have what we have, you know, and it's not a monetary replacement. You know, like we have memories. I have photos of my kids in my office. I have memories with every square inch of this place. So the idea of someone even thinking that it's just a business this is my life mm-hmm. you know this mm-hmm. is a true representation of um what i want people to see of me mm-hmm. and i think 
you know, in our community, having gone through the wildfires that we went through last year, seeing the the true destruction that comes, uh, whatever the reason, even when it's man-made, when it's uh, nature-caused, it's not an immediate bounce back, to your point. There's the emotional toll, there's the mental toll, and those things don't just happen overnight. So I, I agree with that sentiment that it's not just, you know, you have insurance, you can, you know, fix it. Right. It's, it's a process mm-hmm. on all accounts. Yeah. Um, so thinking about, you know, your journey of discovery, like your ability to do ever, anything, wear a suit, how have you thought about, like, how have you or have you thought about how that shows up with your kids now? As you're learning new life lessons, how do you take your three-year-olds and help them <laughs> understand things that, you know, you were 47 when you figured out? Oh, that's a good one. <clears throat> Another good one. Um, it's funny because I say a lot to my kids and I try to model be- the behavior that I want them to um show up with and you know you remember we had dinner one night and we were just hanging out and playing and I don't even know what I said to DJ and then um he comes back which deep by the way DJ is my son he's my youngest and who's not three he's 10 just to be clear I was talking about like tiny tigers yeah yeah but he told me he goes daddy are you modeling the behavior that um you want to for us to see and I'm like oh throw my foot in your face you know like I'm like (laughs) so irritated that he used my words against me and I the reason why I use that um scenario that happened was because my three-year-olds will do it too Mm -hmm. you know um sir did you bow correctly before you left the mats you know like or come on sir let's no that's what it was because one of my kids told me come on sir we gotta bow before we leave the mats you know like they literally what do you call it um you can see the effect of what it is that we do. So it wasn't a, you didn't bow. It was let's bow to leave them at. So like, and with my three-year-olds, we play, you know, it's learn as you play, but the amount of stuff they retain is scary. <clears throat> the I mean, like my three-year-olds know their home rules. They can count in Korean, you know, they can kick, they can punch. They love to spar. Um, I win still. Um, so I'm going to take that. Um, <laughs> but they take in so much, even at such a young age that, um, it really forces me to, to think continually about how I'm handling myself because I literally taught them to do as I do, mm-hmm. not as I say, mm-hmm. and call me on my crap when I'm not, <laughs> I'm not quite sure when I did that part, but mm-hmm. that's yeah. the way it showed up. Yeah. I love that matter of fact representation of accountability that I think is missing in so many places in our society. How, how do you do that with your older kids? It's hard. The, the hiding, the lying, the guilt, the shame, you know, that can come along with a bad decision. How do you do that with your older kids? It's easy. I don't treat my older kids any different than I treat my younger ones. Mm-hmm. You know, my um, yeses are my yeses, my noes are my noes. I think that's what's made me most successful. 
you know, when I say something, that's it. I'm pretty much considered crass because, you know, I'm very blunt when I speak. Mm -hmm. I don't really care who it is I'm speaking to. And sometimes that's gotten me in trouble. Um, but for the most part, it's my, my no's are my no's, my yeses are my yeses. And the more important part than any of that is when I screw up, I take accountability and I apologize. Mm -hmm. I don't care if they're three. I don't care if they're 13. I apologize. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's something that I took from when I coached cheer that um, some of the kids told me at a banquet one year that um, the reason they love me so much is because I said I was sorry. Mm -hmm. And they had never seen an adult do that before. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget it, you know, mm -hmm. because the, our children are our community. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are going to take, you know, the lead from us and either continue the way we want them to, which is to make us better or a completely different way. And that's all within our grasp. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That was pretty good, though. I do have to say, though, um, you know, I'm here sitting here in my office with you and we're talking and I look up at my kids on my wall because, you know, a lot of my kids will give me their pictures and so we'll put them in frames. <clears throat> and that's like one of the philosophies that I have is I don't do trophies. You know, a lot of I don't think I know a martial arts studio, whether it doesn't really matter the discipline, but they don't have trophies up. Mm -hmm. I don't do trophies. Um, I do stories. You know, and these pictures of my kids, I can tell you where they are um, in life, you know, because they continue to check in with me and even grow. And some of them have started to bring me their kids, you know, so like it sets a precedent that um, this is safe, you know, this is a home. And I think it's the... It seems we got cut off there, but that gives me an excellent opportunity to tell you a little bit about Daryl's other business, Yuma Health and Safety. Yuma Health and Safety provides medical certification courses for everyone from providers and professionals to students or just individuals looking to learn a new skill. If you want some more information on the classes we provide or the courses and certifications that we can help you get, you can head over to yumahealth.com. That's U-M-A-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. We hope to see you there. So as I was saying about the um, my kids and the pictures and the stories, that um, it's the essence of who I am. You know, some of my kids have brought their children back to me, and which speaks to how old I am. But I can tell where they are. You know, mm -hmm. Tater Bug is military now. She's an MP. Um, she is doing amazing and then I can look up here and I can see like Alyssa, my cheer Barbie, um, she's finishing college, my little girls, uh, little who I've known since she was so small, um, is going to college, mm -hmm. you know, and the ones that I'm telling you about, they're like Hispanic mix. They're mainly white that I just mentioned. Then I have my twins that are little mixed girls and they're graduating from high school and just the amazing things that they're going to accomplish. I feel like that literally is the epitome of Juneteenth is I'm not celebrating black. I'm literally celebrating a community, the ability for a black man to literally run interference for our community. And it's not, it's not relegated to just the black community. 
you know, it's our community as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I find that hilarious because I don't think it hit me until just this moment, you know? Mm-hmm. I am blessed in the fact that I have so many wide variety um, varieties of people in my um, in our family, our gym family, mm-hmm. you know, which is the whole reason why community one was so important to me to start was because of that. I'm like, we need to reach out more in our community and this 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 thing that we've built, which I can't really define in the studio, I want to do the same thing in the community, mm-hmm. you know, and bring awareness and a voice and mm-hmm. a presence. Yeah to those that may not have heard, seen, or known, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think, I mean, that's one of the things, like, just to think about the demographic of the gym and, and who we have that is really, it's just incredible. And, you know, the demographic, you have different ethnic demographics, different racial demographics. You have different socioeconomic classes here. You have you know, differing abilities from kids in wheelchairs to, you know, infants and just a variety. And I see that in how you're trying to reach out to more people through your podcast is let's come together as people. Let's talk about the things that are hard, the things that are challenging, not because you have the answers to your point, um, because I know and you know that your experience as a black man in the valley is not the same as somebody else's experience as a black man in the valley. We've talked about that a lot, that you are blessed with your perception. And we we saw that with our kids, with your oldest, who would come home constantly from high school that somebody was racially profiling him and understanding that the perspective through which he was seeing a variety of interactions was different from yours or from what other people would see. And so the podcast and being able to just reach out, share your experience, let people know that you're here and the invitation to come and join your community in this way, an hour as it allows. Yeah. Is great. I love what I'm doing. I love um, what you push me to do um, and encourage me and tell me to quit being a baby and still blown away that you joined me to do it too. I mean, I'm not really here. (laughs) But with that all being said, you know, as much fun as I'm having, we do have to go. Um, Please join us for future podcasts. And if I'm lucky, we'll get mama back on here with us. (laughs) She's shaking her head no. But I have to go teach a self-defense class now. So love you guys. Uh, Juneteenth, uh, this first year that I've truly celebrated it was amazing. And I've learned a lot. And I look forward to the future. <laughs>